0: Hi, this is Eric Corey Freed.
1: And Eve Blossom, and this is Care by Design. Today we talk with Raina Kumra about her interesting career arc and also about her two current focuses on tech startup investment and tech ethics in startups, teams, and corporate companies. Enjoy. Well, welcome. It's great to have you here on Care by Design. It's so
2: good to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: So back in 2012, I remembered an interesting story that Fast Company, Bob Safian, uh, wrote on you, as well as our friends DJ Patil, Baratunde Thurston, Beth Comstock, and others. I think there were about seven of you in the story as examples of gender. Yeah. Yeah. Bob is referring to modern business that was chaotic, but nowadays we have chaos everywhere and on on yes. our lives on many levels. Um, but thank goodness for Genflux. Um, it is these type of people like you who are jumping into action right now that we all need at this moment in time.
2: Oh, well that's it's it's nice to to be categorized that way. I feel I feel lucky because a lot of times the other side of that coin is, you know, you're a generalist. You just do a little bit of everything about three feet deep. And um, and I've found, and, you know, I think, Eve, you're, you're like this too. You've done so many things throughout your career. So I really loved what Bob did, just call, calling it Generation Flux.
1: Yeah, to be flexible and have that
2: resilience, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot to do with resilience, but also, you know, being able to... Um, have an appetite for transformation Um, because as you know as well as I do uh, doing career transitions is very mentally physically emotionally uh, it takes everything um, that you have to kind of reformat yourself and and you know become this next thing that you were gonna gonna do but um, luckily I had I had good luck I guess I had good mentors I had good people around me as I went from advertising to well actually from filmmaking and documentary filmmaking to advertising then to uh, working with the government and then nonprofits and then to startups and then to the investing side of the table um, and you know and now I guess tech ethics advocacy work as well as as you know leading a leading a fund
0: I am always amazed at how people take their careers and you take the cake I think, I, think, I think you you win the award for most most Renaissance person I think is that is that I mean
2: possible? sure yeah I mean Renaissance woman was definitely uh, you know on my uh, on my uh, board of things that I wanted to be I guess when I was a, a kid I don't know I just never felt like um, I, I had to be one thing, but I could serve the world in a greater way by being many things and continuing to learn. And um, that was also instilled with, you know, from my parents of like, never, never stop learning, never rest, <laughs> essentially. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I guess in some ways it is exhausting, <laughs> but, uh, but the payoff is is so worth it.
0: When I was a child, my parents said to me, and I remember them saying this, my parents said to me, you can be anything you want. And now it's dawning on me that when you heard that, you took that literally, like I'm going (laughs) to be. I did. (laughs) Boston University, NYU film school, documentary filmmaker, then Harvard design school, then at the advertising world, including some pretty impressive firms, uh, eventually launching your own agency. And then, and I don't even know if I have the order right, University of Amsterdam, and then starting a nonprofit, Light Up Malali, and then startups investing. And now, yeah. now you're talking about ethics and tech in the tech industry at a time when they really need it most. You know, my entire life, I feel like it's been um, realizing that most people are stuck with fear and that forces them to do nothing. You don't, you seem fearless to me.
2: What, what has changed, I think, is having children, um, because those risk-taking, you know, my risk-taking inclinations are now, you know, sort of grounded in a reality that doesn't work for all of these transitions in quite the same way. But I still am doing them.
1: I, I, I think it's just that I had an appetite for risk. Well, Reyna, with your focus for some years now on tech ethics, and I'm thinking back on when Internet 1.0 started and many, many of us were in SF at the time. Conversations we had then were mostly about what we could start and create and build and how all the novel tools and products and services would take us into new directions and how we're gonna make life better. And even um, back in 1999, focused early on on the positive impact we could have with this new technology, but even those early times we weren't discussing unintended consequences. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the time when certain ethics or certain ethical design thinking um, could have been paramount to, to, to integrate into those products and services. And maybe we would be in a different place if a lot of us had those conversations, but it didn't even dawn on us. I know,
2: I know. It just, it was never... It was. I, I always refer to it as the day in school that everybody missed. Like we just all were out sick that day that they, they taught us about working with ethics in a practical way or that ethics doesn't belong to somebody else but is actually something that lives inside of each one of us and we all are supposed to be held accountable for what we do. Not the company, not our boss, not our manager, but, but us um, and I think I, I saw this um, huge gap in education, and I thought, okay, you know, I was at a mid-air network um, helping stand up the tech and society solutions lab. Um, you know, we gave Tristan Harris his first check. Uh, we, what we wanted to do was start a movement, and we also wanted to develop and and, and continue a portfolio. And I was charged with with both. Um, and and for the movement, I just interviewed about. I don't know, 50, 60 um, CEOs, C suite folks in tech companies, um, engineers, and investors and board members. And I just asked them I mean, I I barely asked hardly any questions. I just asked about what do you think about ethics? Is it something that you see has a role in your products, in the services, in in your culture? And all of them said, yeah, ethics sound great. Like, um, you know, (laughs) Kind of like, where can we get some <laughs> um, ethics? To them, was something they had to outsource or insource. Um, so I think it, that was that was my sort of alarming insight that I needed to just develop a very easy to follow tool, which is where I designed and developed the Ethical OS. Uh, you know, the foresight. No, none of us had practice. Like, what happens when this scales 10x to 200x? Because that was not something that we were used to doing yet our intentions were always this is going to save the world this is going to solve a problem this is going to make life easier this is going to help this population or or this is going to make a lot of money by making something a little smoother that was currently not smooth Um, and I think my big formative moments I think in leading to that work there's two one was when I was in in digital advertising, I was there at the dawn of programmatic advertising. I was running digital for White and Kennedy in New York. And we were so convinced that we were doing the world a favor by launching programmatic advertising that, you know, it would tell you what you wanted instead of seeing an ad for a toaster, which you clearly did not want to see. And it would show you an ad that was like cool. And it was like what, you know, tuned to you and we're like this is awesome we are so helping everyone right now and we had no idea we had only good intentions and we had not mapped out what happens if because no one did back then and then the second formative moment i think around that was when i had my startup in india and we had an app engagement platform it was called maven and our product was called Gigato, and we had almost every app onboarded in India. And in exchange for users interacting with the apps, downloading the apps, or using them in some way, the users would get five to 10 megabytes. So we're really trying to create a a more fair economy for the, you know, quote marks, user. And we had all this data. We could see everything. We could see way more than actually uh, our users had knew that we could see because of a little loophole in the Android um, platform. And we told our investors about it, and our investors said, oh, you have to monetize that immediately, that's competitive data, let's do it, this is gonna be great. And I was like, no, like I could see when someone was going on a dating site, and I also knew they were married. I could see what time people were getting up to, you know, do therapy apps, like, and I, and how often they were consulting with their astrologer.
0: Is that why you launched that LinkedIn learning course on tech ethics? Is the audience you had in mind the same one that's viewing it?
2: That's a great question. I, I originally had made it for a generalist audience. I just, I, I'm a little I was tuned a little bit to the makers but really just trying to inform everybody about this because the more people who are exposed to understanding one that they have a role, no matter what their position is in calling out if something is wrong and if they're an employee or if they're you know running a startup, um, if they're working at a very small startup, if they're a team of two they have a they still have a, a huge, sort of responsibility and I think that's that was for everybody. And then there's some messages in there that are specifically for for product managers or for for people that are putting products and services out in the world with a tech focus or a software focus because those are the ones that scale at the levels that you know you can't control once it's out there. You know, do you have a plan? Do you have a plan to bring it back if something goes wrong? Do you have a plan if a bad actor comes into your program, into your system. Do you have a plan if there's a data breach and how are you gonna continue to keep trust with your customers? So a lot of them are, I'd say a third business decisions because it's risk mitigation and there's really good sensible business reasons to do this work. And then I'd say a third is for the makers and then a third is for just everybody. Um, But yeah, yeah, I, I originally did it as the ethical OS Um, but that was like a 72-page PDF. I cut it down to three pages. That's just a checklist that I did with DJ Patil and and then turned it into the LinkedIn course. So hopefully it can be more broadly um, picked up.
0: It's funny because on the one hand, you have design, and I think design almost has an inherent connection to ethical concern. Absolutely. If only because we as designers have to relate to context. Maybe that's, maybe that's the simplest reason. But once you switch over to engineering, there's a big ethical gap, and I'm not sure why. It might be the framing of the problem. Mm-hmm. Like as you said, scaling from 10X to 200X mm-hmm. is perceived as an engineering issue, not as an ethical one.
1: And we see ethics or the lack of ethics play out in every aspect of our lives in recent headlines. So, So some specific headlines that come to mind are like during this pandemic, the safety of Amazon's frontline workers or the Facebook ad boycott that started this summer due to false information and Facebook's new policies or what is or what is not happening in the United States in regards to testing or tracing. And this is having this large ethical issue that impacts Public health—it's impacting lives. It's, it's
2: interesting times for all of us, um, but I think living this way, or you know, living in this fully tech-centered way of interacting with people all day, um, is—is—it's—it's. It's, it's, bringing a lot of people down, like, you know, and I think every time you have an interaction that's a little feisty or, you know, on Twitter or whatever, all of that comes because people are not face-to-face. I guess Zoom gives you some of that, but if you're not face-to-face sitting with someone who you don't agree with, you're never going to find a common ground. And that is just one of the unfortunate design principles of social media. Misinformation in Health or any any sector, any field, anything that touches our lives. I mean, there is no there's no solid truth anymore in this post whatever world we're living in, and uh, yeah, it's it's not going to help anybody be healthier. You know, a question I might ask back is, who's Who's in charge? Who who actually, whose responsibility is it? Because everyone loves to point fingers. There's a cultural norm of pointing fingers, but what can we individually do to make some of that right? I mean, I have, I have ideas.
0: Ethics seems to be more important than the pursuit of technology or the pursuit of greed, but does that mean that we're going to have to wait till Regulations come along
2: so I I recently um, I recently sat for my securities exam um, And I passed thankfully Uh, I studied you know everything about market regulation for the first time in my life really I had never you know maybe in passing in a college class, but I had never really deeply gotten to know all of the rules and regulations, everything about the SEC, how it was formed, why it was formed, all of the acts. And, um, and all of them were after a disaster occurred, after a lot of people lost their money. Then an act came into place to protect those people from that happening. Or, you know, the paper act or the people act, something to regulate brokers. So brokers aren't double dipping, um, aren't charging too much commission, like something to regulate Uh, the fact that investors have a right to information, to see everything with full transparency before they make an investment, and that they have a right to that information all along the investment. Like all of these wonderful things, but they only came into play not before, but after something really tragic had happened and i think that's our this is what this is where we are we're in this moment of waiting for that tragedy to happen and yes there's been a lot of things that have happened with tech i think we're not going to act we are not the kind of beings that act in advance as as much as we could be and should be it's going to take that level of a disaster the thread has been for a long time following the arc of broadband, right? Following the arc of technology. So, you know, from, from film to interactive, to building it, to sort of getting further and further into it. And then the thread somehow, sometime after the startup changed and it changed into a little bit more justice, a little bit more, what can we do here on this platform? Because I, I, I consider advertising a platform. Of course, I consider the government a platform. I consider Silicon Valley a platform, and uh, and investing in general, and all of these are places that I felt like had something missing that I could help. I could help with, and and so yeah, I think the threat of justice or seeking justice or seeking balance um, was there maybe all along, but it, it became. They became more uh, apparent or more in focus after I had, I had built my first company. You know, when you look at the levers of what it takes to to change or to build a movement, you know, you have you have the employees, you have the customers or the consumers, the users, you have the boards, you have the investors, you have, you know, all these different levers that you can try to make change with within an industry, and and then of course you have the regulators who are asleep right now, but we'll hopefully soon be awake. Um, And I just decided that the best focus for me, the best place and the most impactful place was to do it via investing. And so that's why... I joined this pre-seed fund in LA. Uh, That's why I make these investment decisions. I was determined to have check writing ability. There was no investing job I was gonna take that didn't, A, because I have responsibility to all of the women I know everywhere and all of the women of color I know everywhere to have that check writing decision-making power and not ever give it up. And I, wanted to do that, but I'm also using tech ethics as a diligence lens. And I am evaluating the companies that come into our portfolio with a few questions like, what would you do if there was a data breach? Or how do you know that this isn't gonna fall into the hands of a bad actor? Or um, is this really the best way to monetize your consumer data? Is there some other way you could do it instead of selling everything to Target? without telling them. Um, And and some of them pass these questions, pass these tests with flying colors and others don't. But they have learned something at least from that conversation because it's in that conversation you see a little light flicker in their eyes and you realize they've never had this thought before. No one has ever asked them. And so I look at investing as the best place to influence what the future arc of the world will look like because in the next five to ten years every company that's being invested in today is going to define our world. I'm not worried about Facebook. I'm not worried about Twitter. I'm not worried about TikTok. Those companies won't be the ones that are going to be ruling the most important population at that time. It'll be something that doesn't yet exist and if those founders have a culture where ethics are embedded, where there's a norm and an openness to talk about it, where programmers, junior programmers can say, I feel like this isn't a good idea and hit a red button and stop everything for a conversation. So that's one area where I really would love to see some something happen. And then in my consulting work uh, with Juggernaut, I, I do a lot of Transformation, but obviously transformations are my specialty. Um, so digital transformation, cultural transformation, organizational transformation, and that's the other place that I'm I'm really pushing on this lever. I'm almost bringing in, Trojan horsing the ethics component into a larger business strategy or or a, or a change strategy, and I am really enjoying doing that because corporate America right now is the holder of the worst culture that we have right now <laughs> that is, uh, I'd say almost ethics defiant. And all the ethics they put into the CSR alley and they, they use it for PR. So, you know, I'm very excited to change both of those things.
1: Well, Raina, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you today on Care by Design.
2: Thank you for having me, Eve and Eric.
1: Hope you enjoyed today's podcast of Care by Design with Eric Corey Freed and me, Eve Blossom, as your hosts. We look forward to our next interview this upcoming Tuesday. Visit us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Care by Design Pod, and there you can see additional show notes of each of our podcast interviews and additional posts on new podcast interviews so tune in this Tuesday for our next Care by Design podcast. Hear us then!